say my name until the city burns and the stars fade away and your scars don't hurt i will hold you till the sun comes crashing down i'm yours until the end of time hey everyone welcome to the restored to more podcast a listener supported podcast that is dedicated to restoring marriages to wholeness in christ after being affected by pornography and sexual brokenness After betraying charity with pornography and unwanted sexual behavior, we had no idea how to rebuild our relationship or even if it was possible to restore what was broken. Today, by God's grace, we have learned how to connect again, laugh again, and rebuild spiritual, emotional, and sexual intimacy to an even greater experience than before. Our goal is that as you hear our story, the stories of others, and the knowledge needed to heal, you too can have a marriage that is becoming restored to more. I'm yours until the end of time. Update everyone. Course one registrations are back open. Whoop, whoop. This is an eight week course starting Thursday, September 14th. That is designed to help you and your spouse start the journey to becoming restored to more. It will be led by R2M certified coaches, Cody and Michelle Larson. We will be focusing on how to cultivate safety and trust, healthy communication, deal with triggers, and begin to discover how God can use crisis to create closeness. You can see all the details on our website and can register today at www.restoredtomore.com slash courses. Also, if you have appreciated this podcast, a great way to say thank you is leaving a five-star rating and a positive review. These reviews help more people find the podcast and experience hope and healing. Say my name until the city. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Restored to More. We are so excited for you guys to meet our guest today, Ed Corey. Ed Corey was introduced to us from Jim Wilder, which was our very first podcast outside (laughs) of Charity and I doing ours. And uh, we are so grateful because Ed has an amazing heart, amazing ministry. Let me tell you a little bit about him. So Ed Corey, for more than 40 years, has worked with substance abusers and their families in diverse, diverse settings. He comes from pastoral counselor, trainer, writer. Ed's work has encompassed outpatient counseling, jails, transitional housing for homeless addicts in all phases of residential treatment. He's the president of Equipping Hearts and has written several books, including the Restarting Workbook and Facilitator's Guide, Becoming a Face of Grace, and with Dr. James Wilder, also with other authors, Jim Jim Wilder, Chris Corsi, and Sheila Sutton. He wrote Joy Starts Here, The Transformation Zone. He also wrote The Connexus Program and Belonging, with Dr. James Wilder. So grateful to have you on the show, Ed. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you. I'm really glad to be with y'all. Mm. So you reached out to us and you were like, hey, I'm writing this new book. God's mm. doing a revelation in my heart, in my mind. I mean, this is, you've been in this space, yeah, for 40 years. I was reading your bio and about you and it sounded like in 2015, you went back to the drawing board and you're like, I did. there's more here. So I would love to hear about that journey, and then we'll get to your testimony as well, because I love that you speak out of your brokenness. But tell me what happened in 2015, and what led you to even starting this journey of grace? Okay. Um, I met Jim and Jim Wilder in 2003, and um, some of the stuff I heard him teach about the brain changed the way I thought about addiction, because people in the field of addiction know that it doesn't treatment doesn't work very well. Mm. And uh, when I heard Jim talking about the brain, I was making the connections like this is this, and this is this, and this is this. So we ended up working together to create Connexus, which was 
rooted in scripture, but borrowed a lot from brain science. And uh, over the years in traveling and training people to do groups based on that, I realized there were a lot of people that could not get past the brain science. Mm. Um, Churches that were more conservative or just they'd never heard of why brain science could be important. Um, They rejected the material and the concepts um, because they didn't really have a background for it. Mm. And we were not rooted explicitly in scriptural concepts. Like I would hear, well, why are you talking about joy all the time instead of this? Why brain science? That's not in the Bible. And so in 2015, it was really breaking my heart. Mm. Because it was about, it was not about what I was teaching as much as my language. And if my language is keeping people from hearing stuff that's transformational, then I really want to fix it. So I went back to the drawing board in 2015 and said, how can I say what I've been doing? Totally reframed and not just throwing scripture at it to say, well, see, this is biblical or that, but reconstruct it completely from the inside out. And that's when I, um, that's when grace um, as a foundation for life, ministry, discipleship, um, it like pulled back training I had 20 years ago mm. into my head to say, maybe grace is this. Mm. And the more I worked with it, the more I was really sure. Wow. Wow. So cool. So you talk about grace and you, and I think for a long time, I don't even know if I understood really what grace was all about. Right, we we I I was raised in the church. Uh, we believed in free grace, which meant that it wasn't by works. Mm. I think a lot of people can start there and go. I understand free grace; it means I don't have to work for my salvation. It's a free gift of God. But mm-hmm. I think what you're saying is there's a lot more to it than just that. And yeah. throughout my journey, it was like, what does grace really mean, and how much does grace empower us and equip us, and how do I live by by grace? I mean, there's so much in the Bible that I think can be not even talked about. And so I would yeah. love for you to educate us on what are the components of grace that excite you the most that you're like, Oh, I just wish people could grab uh-huh. hold of this more. Well, you're right about, you know, not by works um, or unmerited favor. Um, but when I, as a new Christian, I go like grace, cool, unmerited favor. And if you ask what's unmerited favor, you get, well, that's grace. And it's yeah. like, sure. so, I um, read a book or I heard about a book called Paul and the gift by a guy named John Barclay and um, Barclay is a scholar. I mean, his book is like that. It's the kind of things you read if you're very serious about something. And so Barclay starts by going back to ancient Greece and he says, what did grace mean in Greece? Because grace is not a word Paul made up. Mm. It existed. And Barclay's point is that real grace is always relational. Like you can only experience it truly in a relationship. So he said, what did it mean in Greece? So it meant, let's suppose, um, Clinton, you were from a higher social status than me, whether it was political, military, economic, social, whatever. And, um, you thought something about Ed, I want to have a relationship with Ed. So what you'd do is you'd call your servant because you were a rich dude and you had servants <laughs> and you would give him a gift. That was the charis. That's the Greek word for grace. Mm-hmm. And you would tell him to bring this to Ed's house and tell him it's this, Chris. 
So servant knocks on my door. Um, I answer the door and uh, the servant goes, this is a caress from Clinton. My understanding at that point is Clinton is offering me this gift as a way of starting a long-term enduring relationship that is entirely mutual. Mm. So me accepting the gift is committing to an ongoing relationship with you that will last over time. Mm. It really means you saw something in me that was special to you. I had favor. If we were going to talk about it, Tay, we might say your favorite, your special. So grace to me became like my head blew off. Wow. I mean, it's all back together, but it's it it blew off because okay, grace is first always relational. Wow. It's this gift that starts a long-term relationship, and it means that God sees me as his favorite, as so special that he would send Jesus just for me. Wow. And the cool wow. thing about God is cool thing about God is he sees all of us the same way. Wow. Like me being his favorite doesn't mean you're any less his favorite. So you're saying I mean, that gift that it's called Chris. Am I saying that right? Chris? Yeah. So that yeah. gift from God to us is Jesus. Yes. That is his son's death on the cross. That mm-hmm. says be, and this is his sign that he wants a long term relationship mm-hmm. with us that's mutual. Exactly. And what's embedded in that is when God sees me or sees me both, he sees someone that's his favorite. So everything that goes with being special and favorite to someone in a relationship is directed towards us very specifically, very individually, Mm -hmm. um, which is pretty fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when you say I need more grace, sometimes that doesn't that doesn't mean much. Mm If you think about it in this context, it means I need to receive more of not only how God sees me, but everything that goes with how God sees me. Mm. Wow. And the challenge then is learning to see myself that way. Mm, Yes. Which is why the book is Becoming a Face of Grace. Mm. But then reflecting it out and learning to see everybody else that way. Mm. I mean, so that's. That's kind of what I stumbled on that mm-hmm. was so exciting to me. Wow. I would be excited too, because I'm excited yeah. when you share about it. <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about grace. I mean, gosh, I have so many questions about it. Um, but one of them is just, what? how does looking through God's eyes of grace create healthy attachment? Okay. Grace is the glue that makes healthy relationships sticky or mm-hmm. last endure. Um, When you're interacting with someone and it's very obvious that you were their favorite, it triggers a response in me called joy. They're glad to be with me. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Grace and joy are two forms of the same Greek word. Mm. So where you get grace, special and favorite, you get joy, which to my brain is someone's glad to be with me. And that is the basis for bonds Mm. that are healthy that last and that endure. Um, Learning to see myself that way allows me to walk in the freedom of being special and favorite without having to prove myself. Mm. Mm. Uh, So when you think about what kind of things make relationships stick, being special and favorite 
um, is not only good for us emotionally, but it's great for our brains. Mm. It's great for our neurochemistry. It's great for us spiritually. Well, that's good. That's good. And then what you what you had said, I think, in talking about in the book a little bit, is how it's really crucial because what or who I love the most determines behavior. Yeah. And so now, now it's not only oh, I love you and I want to be with you, but when that's when that could be in that's either going to be in a very healthy way, mm-hmm. or it's going to be in an unhealthy way, or it's going to be to an unhealthy person, mm-hmm. or an mm-hmm. unhealthy thing like pornography, sexual addiction substance abuse. And so those are now, now we're kind of messing up how we're, how we're, how we can be wired, how Mm -hmm. we're supposed to be wired in the presence of grace. So would you say in that situation, grace is being omitted? Does is it just, is it being misused? Is it misguided? Is it misunderstood? What I would say is addictions when, when grace is absent or just weak, then our spiritual and neurochemical um, default system is fear. Wow. It's, it's grace experienced early in life from primary caregivers that, and, and the kind of mature love they can show us that really helps displace fear as our default system. Cause we are born that way. Mm. We are born that unless fear is displaced, the part of our brain that's responsible for fear will organize the way our brain develops and organize the way we view life. When grace is absent, joy is low, but it doesn't mean that we still don't need special and favorite. So a whole lot of other things can substitute for special and favorite. Um, I call them the four deadly P's or the things we do intuitively. As infants, we can please, perform, avoid pain, maximize pleasure, but those definitely lead to the development of addictions. So if you're talking about sexual addiction, substance abuse, um, ministry addictions, performance addiction, porn addiction, it's coming because grace was missing or weak in areas we needed it. And a key part of recovery is not just we quit it. It's just that fear has to be addressed and displaced because otherwise we switch addictions. Mm. Okay. So, so this is, this is good stuff here, Ed. Let's We're getting, go there. Yeah. Let's, let's go here. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it's good. Let's do it. Okay. First of all, this is so good. We live in a culture right now that is just anxiety driven, fear driven. Mm. The media yep. is spreading fear like crazy. We live in a time right now where regardless of the views that we're going to, that we, that we personally have, there is a lot of fear. There's fear yeah. from people that are on this side and there's yeah. fear from people that are on the other side. And yeah. so what we're talking about is, is that we, this fear, we can see how powerful it is driven in society. But if yeah. we're willing to look inward, I think what you're asking us to do is how much has fear driven our life mm-hmm. and where are we being driven by fear right now? Is it a fear of financial hardship? So we're addicted to work work. We have workaholism are we fearful of unacceptance? And so we're performing in every area of our life. Are we fear-based that we are unlovable? And so we are people-pleasing in a way that's trying to make us lovable. That's what I hear you asking is like, hey, and it's connected. And it might the problem might not have stemmed with you. Mm. What I hear you saying is there might be this area of our life. We got to look back and go, well, where did, where did, where were you not nourished in a way that developed 
grace mm-hmm. and joy. And where did fear start taking over? Yeah, the, that's exactly right. And I want to say that perfect parents are as common as unicorns and flying horses. <laughs> okay. So this isn't we get to blame mom and dad because see yeah. that we always knew they screwed us up. No, that's not it. Yeah. <laughs> parents kind of give what they have to give. Yeah. Totally. So if they've got a gap in an area, we'll probably have a gap in the, in that area mm-hmm. where we just haven't experienced special and favorite to the degree that we need it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that anybody did anything wrong. That's the thing. This isn't about creating a culture of victimhood and mm-hmm. people that victimized us. It's just mm-hmm. saying we live in a fallen world where fear is our default system. Mm-hmm. We're born that way. And it's not even that they did this, so fear became our default system. It's just we're born that way. Wow. It just has to be displaced. Can you t- tell me those four Ps again? You said them kind of quick, and I want, I want to get yeah. them, and I want our listeners to get them. You said, go ahead. Yeah, they're the four deadly Ps. I don't like Ps anyway, so yeah, now I can does? really, really. That's good. <laughs> um, pleasing. Performing. Um, which are really about our sense of security and significance in life. Um, The other two have to do with pain and pleasure. Um, One P is about um, pain, avoiding the things that make us feel uncomfortable or just bad. And the other is figuring out what feels good and maximizing it. Yeah. So it's kind of those flow directly from fear and they tend to cause us. Um, we tend to have fear-based attachments in those areas where grace is missing or absent. Okay. So you had mentioned that if we don't get this thing right, then that's how you'll go to another addiction. And we've seen that a lot. Like when Clinton was in recovery, he would be like, yeah, great. These these guys are sober, but now they're addicted to work or now they're addicted to food. And, and he was like, I don't want that. So how do I not, because you can like white knuckle it and you can just like put up every block possible and work so, so hard and then fall. And you're not going to the root of what you're talking Uh about and addressing those deep rooted issues. And so my question is, you know, how do you overcome the fear. The fear. Yeah. How do you, yeah. how, do you how do you start overcoming this so you don't just move on to another addiction? Right. Yeah. How do you displace the fear? Mm-hmm. That's good. It's the difference between a problem-centered approach to recovery, which most recovery programs, that's their focus. It's like here's the problem. We got to fix the problem. Just stop doing it by whatever techniques. Yeah. Versus solution-centered, mm-hmm. which is about helping us. Um, engage in connections with God and others where we can um, experience what we need and grow what we need, which is grace, um, a sense of um, discovering how God sees us interactively. It's a sense of receiving um, that gift from other people and giving that gift to other people. Mm. Why, um, in the book and the other books, it's all about here are the activities that you can be doing to start displacing fear. Um, and it's about connecting interactively with God, but it's also about connecting um, interactively with others that are all working through grace. Wow. 
Um, so it's it's really the difference between solution centered and problem centered. And I'm not sure that grace gets you there faster. Mm. I'm really not. Um, I think potentially it can, but I think ultimately um, grace and mature love has to displace fear. Mm. Yeah. So I'm not against other approaches to recovery. I mean, I'm like this plus this plus mm-hmm. this plus this. Um, but the grace, grace and mature love have to displace fear. Now, I also want to ask another question. And I think, you know, I, we have listeners here and mainly the audiences, um, you know, men and women who are going through, um, you know, betrayal trauma and brokenness from pornography and addiction sexually. And so, um, I probably have some women listeners who are in the betrayal section and they're listening, they're going, okay, but how much grace do you keep extending when they've hurt you so bad? And well, I don't want to give him grace because if I give him grace, that means that he's going to justify it and he's going to keep looking. He's going to think it's okay. And, and so what would you say to the wives who are in that seat and they're listening and they're like, okay, everything you sound, everything you're saying sounds great, but I don't want my husband to take advantage of that. And I don't want him to use that against me. If I keep on extending grace, you know, what, what would you say to her? Um, that is such an awesome question because it really gets to the heart of where a lot of people in relationships with people of all kinds of addictions find themselves. Mm-hmm. I would say um, part of it is that's a misunderstanding of grace. Mm-hmm. Um, grace means you're special and favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that there are no consequences for things we do that are that when we mess up. Mm-hmm. Um that's one of the myths of grace. If you extend grace, there are no consequences, yeah. um, which is kind of a, um, I don't want to label people with this, but it's sort of the way codependency works. Mm-hmm. Um, real grace is your special and favorite, but you get to, you're so special and favorite that God allows you to reap the consequences of your mm-hmm. actions. Wow. And if we've drawn a line here that says, if you continue to do this, then A, B, and C, and D will happen. It means you're special and favorite, but you keep doing it. So A, B, C, and D will happen. Wow, <laughs> okay. It's not letting people off the hook. Um, and in one sense, um, this is another book that's coming out next year, but I talk a lot about codependency in it. And codependence to me is when you're carrying the weight for someone that they themselves are supposed to be carrying. Mm. Codependency is all about weight distribution. Like, am I carrying my weight or am I trying to carry his or her weight? Because I'm afraid of what will happen. Mm. They don't see the, the part of the question about, well, if I keep extending grace, he'll keep doing this. That's because I'm afraid of that continuing to happen. Yeah. Mm. Um, Part of my issue then is how do I deal with my fear of that continuing to happen? Because the truth is I have no control over whether that will continue to happen. Mm. I can set healthy boundaries and healthy guidelines. We can work through those together. We can do that in counseling. But ultimately, um, it's not up to me to make sure that you do that. No, I I appreciate you sharing that. I think Charity does too. Because in the beginning, there's this big thing about codependency versus trauma behaviors, Mm. you know? And so we, we love talking about this because this is a big issue, right? Women 
that go through betrayal trauma don't want to be labeled as codependent. And we don't, exactly. and we don't want to do that either. But what I hear you saying is there's a, there's a, there's a line between that. We're not saying that because your husband is struggling with sexual addiction and you're, you're staying with him that you're codependent. What I hear you no, saying we're is, not saying that. and I hear you we're not, not saying, saying that. which is great. What I hear you saying no. is we also have to understand that there also shouldn't be a wife carrying the burden for her husband. Mm-hmm. That's kind of when you start talking about codependency is when you're now providing ways for him to continue doing this mm-hmm. harm to you. And mm-hmm. you're, and you're thinking that you're going to save him. You have mm-hmm. savior syndrome yeah. mm-hmm. and yeah. that's different. We're not talking about when you, when you check, you know, when you're going through and checking things out because you're an investigator, because you've been traumatized mm-hmm. by what happens. And that's what I love what you're saying. And and grace is full of consequences. Mm. That's powerful. Mm. That's powerful to hear. And I mean, we, we read the Bible and God says, I love you. Therefore I discipline you. Mm. Yeah. And that's yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. And there's a lot of natural consequences to wrong behaviors. Mm. Yeah. In God, it's like the world works that way. Mm. So, and it's, I mean, it's sad to say, I wish people would respond to love, but sometimes we respond to consequences that get our attention and mm-hmm. say, okay, I can't keep doing this anymore. Yeah. I think that's more men, Ed. I think women are smarter than that. Yeah. I think it's us men that are just kind of stupid and has to really come down and smash us in the toes or hit <laughs> us in the nose before we change. That's this not issue, true. I'm just making a joke, but yeah. No, it's, it, no, it's true, but I've worked with women who are addicted that do the exact, I mean, it's, I believe it, yeah. it's, it's the universal dynamic yeah. that goes yeah. with an addiction pretty much, I think. Hey, I wanted you to talk about those beeps. I, re- I was reading about yes, that, and you so were talking about these beeps, and you were saying addictions, both substance and behavioral, all flow from the root of when fear, of fear, when grace is weak or missing. And then you said, use the term beeps, to describe addictions. Can you talk about that a little bit, what those are? Yeah. Beeps was, it's an acronym that I created um, a while back that stands for behaviors, events, experiences, people, or substances that take the place of grace-based connections with God and others. Mm-hmm. Um really what happens with beeps is they are the fruit of fear. They it's like if you imagine fear as the taproot, you can get some branches underground and above ground. There are the four P's, but beeps grow on those branches. Mm-hmm. And the problem is because beeps change how we think and how we feel um, because they trigger dopamine through the brain's reward pathway. Um they actually run the same circuitry that the experience of grace and joy mm. are supposed to, 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 to give us. Mm. And the more we attack, the more we encounter beeps, the grow, the stronger our relationships with beeps grow, mm. um, the more likely they are to start even displacing healthy grace-based connections with mm. God and others. Beeps are a jealous lover because in the end, um, it wants you for, or they want you for themselves. Mm. They don't share space. They don't sh- want to share attachment space with us. Mm. Wow. That's good. It's those pseudo pseudo drugs that we think are going to fulfill us, but in reality, no. they only they fulfills for like a minute. It's good. No. You know, I want to ask you this, and as we kind of wrap up here, two things, right? You, I love that you're so focused on helping us get back to joy of connection with God and with others and with our spouse. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
I just got talked about this because we were, we did a reel today and, uh, and the reel today was all about how I was running from God, even as a Christian, there are parts mm-hmm. of my heart, the, the hallways of my heart. I had some locked doors there and I, I didn't want to go back to that. And I didn't want, I didn't want to open those doors. I was scared. I could, uh-huh. I could worship God for these areas of my life. My wife, uh, our, our financial provision that he had blessed us with my children, I could be thankful that I was saved. I knew I was a sinner, but there were these, there were these areas of my heart that I was just running from God in and with. And, and I know that your goal for people is to get back to connection with God. Where does grace play a part in all of this understanding so that we can not be afraid? Cause it's fear. It was fear. Yeah. I, I just, I, I was scared. I, I honestly, in my journey, and I don't, it's not me a lot in this podcast, but I didn't understand why God didn't heal me when I knew he was able. I begged him yeah. most of my life to come in and change me. And he, yeah. and he, he didn't say yes to that in the way that I thought he would. Yeah. And so those became these closet doors or even these bedrooms that I just thought, yeah. I don't want to talk to God about that mm-hmm. because I'm scared. I'm scared yeah. of the response is, was God not able? Did he not love me enough? Yeah. And so I know your heart is for people to get back into this connection with God and really a, 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 an all-encompassing relationship, not mm-hmm. a compartmentalized right. relationship with God. Where does, does grace play a part in that? It plays a huge part. Um, and I need, to, I need to say this to preface it. It's not a th- grace doesn't play a theological part. It plays a relational part. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can understand the, the idea of special and favorite, but until you experience it, it's not real. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's real to my left hemisphere because I got the information, but it's not real to the emotional relational control center that has to learn by experiencing. So part of there, there's two, there are two prongs to this. One is um, experience starting to experience being special and favorite to God in areas that are not necessarily triggering. Okay. That, it's almost like if I can't go to God with little stuff, I will continue to hide the big stuff. So it's like, given where you're at, what can you start being honest with God about today? And what can you interact with him about today? Mm. And I know from experience and working with people, the more we start to experience special and favorite in the little things, it grows our capacity to eventually start talking to him about areas where the doors are closed and we've maybe thrown away the key. We don't even want to go in there, but it's a process of growing in that relationship with him till it becomes possible. That's why spiritual disciplines are important because they are the things we can do today to help us get to places and things we can, we, we can't do today. Mm. So it's always direct with God. And it's part of why in the materials and the stuff I create, there's always solution-centered stuff that gives us a taste. But the second prong is relationships with other people. Sometimes, um, I mean, one of the things I've learned about God is you can never say God just doesn't do this (laughs) because sometimes God does. But for most of us, it requires... um, experiencing special and favorite from someone else in the areas where we do not see ourselves as that, which are often where the doors are locked and the key's been thrown away. Mm -hmm. So being able to build trust with someone 
in special and favorite to where we can open and start to disclose what's going on to them and still be seen as special and favorite. Um, it's a real key. Mm-hmm. If And if we're talking to someone that can't see us that way, then what ends up happening is more shame and more condemnation and the door gets slammed and locked even tighter because special and favorite is a huge gift we give each other. Um, so I really look at both prongs. It's God as we're building capacity with him and other people as we're growing in grace and learning to see each other the same way. Um, generally, all the doors don't crack open at one time unless you have hit an absolute extreme bottom. Um, but I think, I think that's, to me, that's the key. It's got to be from God and from others. And sometimes it starts with others first and then God, sometimes God first and then others. God knows which way we're going to be able to receive. And he's, we're special to him and favorite enough. He finds those for us. Oh, so good. oh such a good challenge. And mm-hmm. I think if anyone's listening to this right now and you are just feeling like, wow, that's me. Like there are parts of my, my heart that I've just kept locked up. I love what you said, Ed. It's just that challenge to take baby steps. It's where can you start? Where can you start being honest? And I think it's so encouraging to hear you say, you don't need to share that with everybody. You have to find those safe people. The people that are going to view you the way Jesus views you. Yeah. Are they viewing you through grace? Are they viewing you as a child of God who is loved and set apart and chosen and and paid for? I mean, all that. And I think that's, that's a very challenging thing to ask. And I think it's worth us all analyzing ourselves and going, okay, do I have that? What, what parts of my heart am I hiding that need to come out that, that really want to come out? Who want to live that free life? I, I would imagine that in order for us to be people that reflect God's grace towards others, we have to go there in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the more we go there, we will actually be prompted and, and safe enough for other people. Would you agree with that, Ed? Yes, you receive it and you begin to reflect it. Mm. And the more you reflect it, remember, grace makes attachment sticky. Mm. The more you reflect it, the more people will be drawn to you, mm. um, especially when you are make, focusing special and favorite on them. Wow. Um, it's just such a cool dynamic. Mm. I love that. Ed, this has been an awesome podcast. Mm. I am so grateful that you made the time today to be with us. Can you tell our listeners how they can get your book and get more plugged into all that you're offering? Yeah. Um, the book is called Becoming a Face of Grace, Navigating Lasting Relationships with God and Others. And it is on Amazon.com. You can get it um, through the Life Model Works website, and you can get it through Humble Shack. Mm. Um You can also find out more about what we do at equippinghearts.com. That's our website. And the sequel to Becoming a Face of Grace is almost out. Um, It's finished. We're just putting, we're gathering endorsements and it's done. Mm -hmm. And it's really, how do you do this in groups? Mm -hmm. The last book is now in editing and it's called The Weight of Leadership, How Codependency and Misplaced Mercy Undermine Life and Relationships. Mm which is really um, looking at doing life from fear or from grace, particularly if we're leaders. Mm. Um, 
But yeah, that's if you go to our website, you'll find out more about when the other books are going to come out. We'll make sure we put all that in the show notes for anybody listening to this. They can click on it right there and yeah. get right on it. So, Ed, thanks again for being with us. What an incredible podcast time this has been. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so thank much. You both. This has been awesome. I'm yours until the end of time. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, follow us on Instagram, and sign up for the upcoming course. You can also connect with us on the Ask Us Anything page at RestoredToMore.com. Also, quick note, all the work at Restored to More Inc., including this podcast, is made possible by our donors and financial partners. We wouldn't be here without those who have generously given to the cause of restoration. If you ever feel led to give, you can do so on the donate page on our website, 